So, according to the Federal Department of Foreign Affairs, the Partnership for Peace allows Switzerland to voice its concerns on important foreign and security policy issues such as the dissemination of international humanitarian law, security sector reform, democratic control of the armed forces, long-term cooperation in the areas of security threats and the fight against terrorism, and cooperation in the framework of civil emergency planning. One does not have to be a graduate of the Grandes Ecoles, a somewhat outdated expression, we admit, to understand that this political-diplomatic verbiage is pure smoke and mirrors, in this case of the Swiss people. Indeed, Switzerland, given its apparent neutrality, we will come back to this, of course, has no need to get itself tangled up in such an agreement. On the one hand, there are many other organizations, especially on Swiss soil, that are involved in humanitarian work, particularly at the military level as Blue Helmets at the United Nations are, at the civilian level, with the International Committee of the Red Cross. Regarding the United Nations, a historical context is necessary. Switzerland joined the League of Nations in 1920, once its perpetual neutrality had been recognized. In 1945, the situation was different. In the immediate post-war period, Switzerland was isolated. It was not invited to the conference that would found the United Nations. In October 1946, the attempt by Foreign Minister Max Petitpierre to obtain recognition of Switzerland's neutrality failed in the UN Assembly. The idea of early membership of the UN was abandoned and Bern stuck to a restrictive interpretation of neutrality. Thanks to the buildings of the League of Nations in Geneva and its involvement as a member of numerous technical UN bodies such as the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, the International Court of Justice and the UN Refugee Agency, Switzerland nevertheless managed to carve out a place for itself in the new architecture of international relations. In the 1970s, the Federal Council began to justify a more flexible interpretation of neutrality and spoke out in favor of Swiss membership of the UN membership, to the point that Parliament approved the project in 1984. However, public opinion was still very much opposed to what it considered to be a loss of independence, and in 1986 it rejected the Federal Council's proposal by an overwhelming majority in a referendum in which 75.7% of voters in all the cantons rejected the proposal. After such a defeat, the government keeps a low profile for several years. Switzerland's membership of the International Monetary Fund brought the issue out of the drawers, only to return just as quickly with the popular rejection of membership of the European Economic Area in 1992. In 1998, the government launched a new initiative for Swiss membership of the UN, which was accepted in March 2002, but showed a country that was still very divided. The result of the vote was that 54.6% of the voters approved membership but almost half of the cantons rejected the idea. Six months later, in September 2002, the Swiss delegation joined the other nations in New York. On the other hand, since the attacks of the 11th of September 2001, events that had an impact on the above-mentioned vote on UN membership, the so-called fight against terrorism has turned out to be a cover for state terrorism. The Swiss press regularly explains that the Italian mafias are well established in Switzerland as a base for money withdrawal and laundering, there is therefore work to be done. Moreover, it is not excluded that ill-intentioned individuals or groups are also based in Switzerland, in which case there is no substitute for infiltration and collaboration between sovereign states, if Interpol still functions normally, but that's another debate. 